This is Aya Bongakzawe with a softer, more feminine voice. Just kidding. It's Tamin Gubeni sitting in for Aya Bongakzawe. It's exactly 15 or rather 16 minutes after 8 o'clock on Metro FM Talk. Let's turn our focus now to what is called the Shop Stewards Corner. And our focus is on migrant domestic workers tonight and every Monday since the beginning of Women's Month. Uh, we've been highlighting struggles faced by domestic workers in South Africa. This is something that I has been uh, focusing on since the beginning of August. And uh, we've spoken as Metro FM about COIDA. We've spoken about the Unemployment Fund. We focus on the rights and the responsibilities of hiring a domestic worker, the history of domestic workers in South Africa. And tonight we're tackling another part of the South African industry, which is hiring a foreign national as a domestic worker. And for this conversation tonight, we're joined by Maggie Mtombeni, who is co-founder and case manager at Izwi Domestic Workers Alliance, as well as Tim Hodgson, who is a legal advisor with the International Commission of Jurists. A very good evening to both of you. Great to have you on Metro VM Talk tonight. Welcome. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. Awesome. I, I love how you say that in synchronicity. Uh, but <laughs> but let me start with you, Maggie. Um, give us a little bit of background about Izwi Domestic Workers Alliance, uh, where you started, why you started, and the gap that you fill in, in um, perhaps the, the labor market. Okay, thank you so much. As you already said, my name is Megan Tondemi. I'm one of the co-founders of Easy Domestic Workers Alliance, and I am a former domestic worker as well for 15 good years. So Easy started 2017, and then it started because we knew a lot of domestic workers who were being treated at work, and they didn't know what to do about it. And Easy is a network of domestic workers, so that we teach each other about our rights, what to do when you are mistreated, and how to improve the relationship with our employers. We also do activities, competitions, and other training together. So we are based in Johannesburg, and then you are, we, are, we have uh, some neighboring groups, like 12 neighboring groups, which I can mention if I have time, but I, I don't think we do have time. And then we have some projects as well, which is the Easy Enterprise, we have a new uniform, domestic workers uniform design, which is a new stylish. And then we also have something called Easy Growth, where we teach each other how to grow our own vegetables. And then we also have the project which we are running, GBV at work as domestic workers. This sounds absolutely amazing, Maggie. What type of support did you have in order to put an infrastructure of, of this nature together? We do, because it's started by domestic workers for domestic workers. And then we do have some other NGOs which are supporting us, like Shanganisa, Oxfam Ferry, and Solidarity Center. Satau is a union for domestic workers in Wudosa. And then they did help us a lot. They, I can say they are our pillars. And then there's that like Exchange, which is a non-profit organization also, which is supporting us to where we are right now. Mm. What we'll do in just a moment when we come back, Tim, uh, I'll come to you and we'll talk about 
um, some of perhaps the, the issues and the cases that you've come across that involve uh, migrant domestic workers in South Africa. As we continue our conversation, our focus this evening on employing uh, foreign national domestic workers in South Africa. It is exactly 20 minutes after 8 o'clock in conversation with Tim Hodson, who is a legal advisor with the International Commission of Juris, as well as Maggie Mtombeni, co-founder and case manager at Izri Domestic Workers Alliance, which, as she says, has been founded by domestic workers for domestic workers. Oh, what an amazing jingle. Beautiful, beautiful intro there, Jaws. <laughs> it is the Shop Stewards Corner, 23 minutes after 8 o'clock on Metro FM Talk as we focus uh, this evening on domestic workers. Tim, let, let me come to you now. What are some of the misconceptions that are held by employers um, about employing a foreign national in, in this role? So uh, thank you very much for having me. I think that... Uh, there are a lot of misconceptions, and you've covered them, uh, I think, on the show already about the rights of domestic workers in general. And these just extend and specify in like some very bad ways when it comes to uh, foreign domestic workers or non-national domestic workers. So I, I think that that it might be the case that some employers are slaving under the misconception that if they hire a non-citizen, so a Zimbabwean or Malawian or someone from Lesotho, that they won't necessarily uh, be a, have to uh, obey the same laws in connection with the protection of their workers' rights and the treatment of their workers as all other workers. And this misconception is uh, a misconception that's not only in South Africa, and it's not always very innocent. It's often that this is intentional, that uh, employers hire uh, non-citizens and then uh, try and abuse their rights or threaten them with reporting them to the police when uh, uh, they ask for better treatment or anything like that. But on the broadest level, um, one of the important things to say, and it's not said often enough in the South African environment, is that the constitution that we have entitles everyone, and it describes everyone in, in the start of all of the rights, to all of the rights, almost all of the rights in the Bill of Rights. So there are some like the right to vote that, that non-citizens don't have. But the right to fair labor practice is a right enjoyed by everyone, so it, it applies to non-citizens and citizens alike. It doesn't matter on your documentary or other status. And as a as an, a person who works for the International Commission of Jurists, we also promote the implementation of the international human rights standards to which South Africa is bound in terms of international treaties that we've signed of our own accord, and they're entitled to the right to work all workers, whether informal or formal sectors, whether domestic workers or other workers, whether non-citizens or citizens. And I'm sure that Maggie will tell you that the reality is that uh, very often these rights are not actually in in practice extended to non-citizens. But on paper, in terms of our constitution and in terms of international human rights law, um, migrant domestic workers are entitled to the same rights as those who are citizens. And Maggie, let's talk about the practicality here that Tim points to. On a practical level, when you or or some in your um, organization are dealing with employers in South Africa, what are the misconceptions um, that South African employers have uh, when it comes to employing foreign nationals? Do they treat foreign nationals differently to the way they would treat locals, for example? Yes, definitely they do treat them uh, different and then very bad. 
because most of the employers, I can I, I can't just say most, I would rather say some. Yes. Some of them they like to employ those who are migrant workers because they know that you can't pay the UIF because they are some, most of them are not documented, they are undocumented, and then even though they are documented, they don't bother to ask the documentation because they are going to be knowing as long as she is out of the country, she might be or he might be not documented. And then the other thing, they know there is no any benefit. And then some other employers, in holidays, you must work because you are, a, you are not a South African. You can't follow South African holidays because you are not a South African. And then some of, most of the migrant workers are being lived in because of the, of the accommodation. So you must, they are working more than minimum hours even though they are even getting paid less than minimum wages, and then they are being, being harassed. They don't have movement of freedom because they are out of the country. They are not, uh, sorry, they, because they are not South Africans. And then they are also being deducted they are, they, from their wages because of the accommodation. There's lots of the things which are happening uh, different between um, locals and migrant workers. Tim, in this instance where Maggie speaks, for example, of the very real issue of some foreign nationals not being documented, how does an employer get around that if somebody that they've employed is undocumented and yet they have, you know, all intentions of wanting to contribute to um, the the UIF? What should employers be doing? Um, How do they become compliant Look, so there's, there's, there's problems on two levels here. And the one level is the government. And the government, unfortunately, uh, wants to do uh, one thing on the other hand and the opposite on, on the other. So it, it wants to allow for there to be migrant workers in the country because people enjoy having the availability of migrant workers who will often do jobs that South Africans don't want to do or in terms of the South Africans don't want to do. But on the other hand, it wants to endorse policies which are to be frank, xenophobic and discriminatory. And so our immigration laws don't allow for the regular or easy employment of non-citizen workers unless they have work permits. And they can only really get work permits if, if the employer can show that there was no one else available willing to do the job with the skills, which was so-called unskilled labor, and it's not really unskilled at all, but it's described as that is very hard uh, to achieve. So often what you find is that as uh, Maggie is already describing, they choose uh, these conditions because of the fact that they know that in terms of our law, um, they are not really supposed to be employing these people. And the Immigration Act actually, interestingly enough, uh, Tami, criminalizes employers illegally employing foreign workers, and it doesn't criminalize the workers for agreeing to uh, participate in that employment. What we really need is we need legislative and policy change at a government level, to accept and, and, and regularize the employment of non-citizen workers all around instead of further criminalizing people and seeking to deport them and things like our government um, intends to do. But the, the second answer to your question is that the contracts that are compulsory in terms of our labor law, and that would be for all workers, irrespective of whether they are so-called authorized or unauthorized workers, so whether they're in the country legally or not, um, the contracts will still be valid. And so you can hold um, an employer to account uh, for the contract that they sign with you. And perhaps it's something to consider uh, for non-citizen domestic workers 
um, to get their employers to write into a contract that they uh, are putting away a certain amount of money to protect them against unemployment. But they won't unfortunately qualify for UIF payments because of the fact and the nature of their employment and the current uh, reality of the regulations in South Africa. You mentioned that the employer needs to put forward plausible reasons why they are employing a foreign natural national in that particular skill. Do personal preferences uh, you know, pay, play any sort of role in that? One might say, well, I prefer to have a, a domestic worker from you know, Zimbabwe because I want my kids to be able to speak Shona or, or whatever the case may be. Um, are those plausible reasons uh, that one could could employ for justifying why you want to employ a foreign national? Uh, to me, it should be plausible. But the thing is that anybody who's tried to come up against these regulations and try to employ someone from another country, in general, the government makes it very hard to do that. And that's across the, the board, from security guards to domestic workers to lawyers to, to, to anyone else. Anybody who's been uh, not a citizen of South Africa and has tried to find employment and get the relevant work permits, it's almost impossible to do. Uh, even if you try to, and that's because the administration facing against us and the policies uh, that they have are always interpreted in such a way um, to to act against one citizens because there's this fear of them and xenophobia. So I'm reluctant even to talk about the Immigration Act because I don't want to discourage what is in reality going to continue to happen, which is that we really do have people from all different countries in our country, and we should then allow them to work. And there's no other way uh, for people to make a living, to be able to eat, to be able to survive if they're in the country, uh, but to work. And so we should accept and regularize their employment. But as I've said already, employment contracts between employers and non-citizens, irrespective of their documentary status, are still valid, and they're not going to be rendered invalid but for that. And even if employers try to not sign employment contracts with non-citizens, they will still be considered employees in terms of our uh, labor laws. And the Labor Court has, has, has indicated that they will be. So anybody who's employing a non-citizen must know that they're not going to escape the bounds of labor law just by doing so or by not giving them a contract. And if they are treating them badly or violating the conditions of employment that must be put in place for all workers, uh, then they are going to be liable uh, for offenses and violations of the law. So what are the implications, Tim, of international law on um, employing foreign nationals? What would be the repercussions? Is it a matter of paying a fine for the employer or or something more stringent? So international law doesn't, you can't, you're not going to be paying fines in terms of international law or anything like that. It will be domestic law that you're paying fines in terms of. What international law says is that everyone has the right to work and the government is supposed to put in effect policies and laws to allow everyone to work. And to the extent that the government uh, allows for people to come into the country who are non-citizens, then it must also provide for their right to work and allow them to have sufficient opportunities. And my point is that they currently aren't allowing them. In terms of our Immigration Act, which is a South African law, um, employers will be liable potentially to a fine if they break any part of the Immigration Act or any part of the labor law. And this is the reason why people find it hard to get jobs but in the context of domestic workers, as Maggie has said, they're not, people are not going to stop employing non-citizen domestic workers. It won't, it won't happen. And, and it won't happen in the security industry or in other areas because people employ these workers for specific reasons, um, and those may be good reasons or they may be bad reasons. But we should just accept the reality and then deal with it as it is instead of trying to forbid the impossible. 
let me ask you, Maggie, how many foreign nationals um, does your organization uh, represent? Is it quite a sizable number? Yes, please, it is. It, um, it can be 70%. So 70% are foreign nationals. What happens then, Maggie, in the instance where uh, a foreign national has or starts building a family or gets married to a South African and their children are born in South Africa? I I know quite a number of of individuals, and Tim, I'm going to ask you to come in here as well a little bit later on, who are, are facing problems in in getting the requisite documentation for their children, um, even though the let's say the mother or, or 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 the father of those children are South African, talk to us about that dynamic, how prevalent it is, and 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 how the uh, foreign national domestic workers actually work around that. Okay, thank you for the question. It's always easier if a mother is a South African and the father is a a migrant because the mother has all the power that they can go in wherever the woman is and apply for the documentation for the kids. But if a mother is a foreign nation and then the father is a South African, you find it very difficult because there is no any evidence. Because when you're in a hospital after I give birth, you can't use the father's name because you are not married. Most of them, they are not married yet before they have kids. And then you are supposed to use your surname as a mother. And then when you go to the woman's office to apply for the documentation for the kids, they are supposed to use the surname, which is going to be very difficult as well in Zimbabwe because the child is going, she is going to be, or he is going to be born in South Africa. So they find it very difficult, most of domestic workers in that situation. So so what happens? Do the kids then at some point have to go back home to Zimbabwe or um, or, or Zambia or Malawi or, or wherever it is that the, the parent comes from? Yes. At, at what point? Because I, I do know as well that, um, you know, when, when the learners get to grade 12 and it's time for them to apply for the ID documents and they're supposed to write their matric, um, that that seems to be a huge problem uh, for them. How do some of the individuals that are part of your union actually deal with this challenge? We never say something like that, but there's some other people which they, they did face it. Like, example, the mother is from Zimbabwe and then the father is a South African. And then the child can't be given a South African document as long as the mother is not a South African. If the mother is not a South African and undocumented, they can't. Unless if the mother is not a South African but documented with a work permit, yes, the child can be given a documentation in South Africa. But besides that, she or he is not going to receive anything from South African government. I wonder, Tim, if you could comment on this. Yeah, so the problem that you're asking about is, is again, you see, we all know when we interact with it that home affairs is a problem. But in general... Um, Many of us just interact with it like the problem with home affairs is queues or long wait time for documents. But we have to understand that home affairs in South Africa is a problem from the legislation to the policy to every single aspect of how they implement their work, often in defiance of even uh, the Constitution. So um, the Birth and Registrations Act right, entitles every person to, to, to birth registration. And, and, and birth registration really will give you a certificate and then can be uh, a, a lead 
towards getting other documents that you need for, you know, citizenship or permanent residence or anything like that. There are many, many hundreds of thousands, and I'm not exaggerating now, of children in South Africa who are entitled to South African citizenship who don't have access to birth registration and are therefore what is described as stateless persons. The people that, 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 that Maggie is talking about often will have children who are stateless until they can get uh, documents in countries where they uh, return home to. But they, they're not necessarily going to return home. They might have come from positions and situations where they cannot return home or they don't earn enough money to return home or they don't have the right documents to return home. So we have people who remain stateless. Now, stateless persons or people without birth registration or without any documents, it's not just that they can't uh, get IDs, it's that they can't access any basic services. Um, it's very difficult to access basic services through our government as a non-citizen in general, so that's whether that's housing or health care, even emergency health care or education. But you can't access any basic services at all if you don't have documentation, and that's the problem with that. And really, the Birth Registration Act needs to be amended, and it needs to be amended to allow for universal registration and to easily allow for registration of all people so we don't have children who are growing up in this position for any amount of time. And then we also need Home Affairs to stop implementing um, the rules that exist in xenophobic ways and in discriminatory ways because it's really, really crucial that um, our children and children who are born in this country or who live in this country for whatever reason can access their rights. I'd like you to please um, stay with me for the next uh, few minutes, uh, Tim and Maggie, as uh, we wrap up our conversation uh, when we return. It is exactly 8.40 on Metro FM Talk. I'm Tamingu Beni, and we're focusing tonight on uh, the plight of foreign national domestic workers, uh, as well as the type of assistance that they can get, uh, talking to Maggie as well as Tim. We'll be right back. It is exactly 8.41 on Metro FM Talk. Uh, Just a reminder that we do have our WhatsApp voice note line that's open for you. That number is 079-191-4270. Please do feel free to share your comments, your perspectives, your views on the leading stories of the day, whatever is topical. And even this issue of uh, employing foreign nationals as domestic workers, your personal experiences, your observations, as well as some of the challenges that you have experienced either as a foreign national domestic worker, if, if that is your profession, or an employer of a foreign national domestic worker. Uh, We're very keen to hear your views. We'll be playing those WhatsApp messages uh, before we wrap up this evening. I am in conversation with Tim Hodson, who's a legal advisor at International Commission of Jurists, as well as Maggie Mtombeni, co-founder and case manager at Izwi Domestic Workers Alliance. Maggie, coming to you, do you, as an organization, work... Um, with the likes of, you know, legal experts who are able to provide some solutions to uh, those who are foreign nationals and are part of your organization who may be facing some of the challenges that we've been discussing this evening? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, most of the domestic workers who are mission that being unfairly treated and then unfairly dismissed, unfairly retrenchment, because I think both the employers and the employees, they don't know that South Africa has the law to protect domestic workers to make sure they are being treated fairly, whether they are South Africans or from other countries. 
and and as we wrap up, Tim, uh, what would your advice be to employers of foreign nationals in the domestic work sector? Well, the, the first thing, and it's in line with what you asked, um, ISRI works with an organization called SERI, the Socioeconomic Rights Institute of Africa. Their website is seri-sa.org. And you can find the guide that they've put out in the last month, which is about the protection of uh, domestic workers' rights and how employers can comply with the law, uh, really written for the purposes of employers. It can also you... include, it does include a section spelling out some of what I've said, which is uh, the legal framework in international and South African law for the protection of domestic workers' rights. So really that's the best place to look. And what 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 we need is we need employers who are employing people with an intention not to get them as cheaply as possible or under the worst conditions possible, but to employ them and pay them a living wage and, and, and ensure that the conditions of work are suitable and that they have contracts that protect their, their rights and that they do everything that they can to make sure that non-citizens are not feeling threatened, that they will be threatened with deportation, threatened with firing, threatened with being treated badly and all of these things, and instead embracing them as an important part of our society, contributing uh, to our households and to our economy. And if we want to see that happen, we also need to lobby our government um, for legal reform to allow for the easier regularization of the employment of of non-citizens, and this is domestic workers and in all other categories of employment, because really the laws that we have and the, the structure of the laws that we have and the policies is, is very discriminatory against non-citizens and very unfair. So could you spell out that uh, website that you, you mentioned earlier on uh, for those who are interested to go and check it out? Sure, it's seri-sa.org, so it's S-E-R-I dash S-A for South Africa, dot org. And it's uh, an organization that works very closely with Izwi and, and Maggie uh, on the protection of workers' rights, but including uh, domestic workers' rights. Certainly, um, the great work that you are both doing in the sector. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, enlightening us on this issue. As you said, Tim, it's not something that's about to go away anytime soon. And as you say, Maggie, it, it's important for employers to realize that they still have obligations towards those that they employ. Thank you to both of you for your time this evening. That's uh, Maggie Mtombeni, co-founder and case manager at Ezwe Domestic Workers Alliance, and Tim Hodgson, legal advisor at International Commission of Jurists. And here's that uh, website address once again. It's www.seri, which is S-E-R-I dash S-A dot org.